Hey who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 193. Yes. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kid this? I don't like the colour. Howdy, howdy, do you, who fans? Hope you've all had a cracking week <laughs> and that you've managed, you've to, managed do to do something, something Doctor, Doctor, who Doctor Who related. related. Yay! We managed to do something very Doctor Who related. I know, I love it when we get to do something Doctor Who related. It's cool. We'll come on to that in a second. <laughs> I hope all is well in fandom. Hope you guys are enjoying whatever it is you're doing in the really nice UK summer weather that we're having at the minute. It's unbelievable, isn't it? It's beautiful. <laughs> One thing I will say, though, is that sleeping through the night is a bit of a challenge. Yeah, I know. I love, you know, I don't mind it during the day. You know, you can go. I work from home, so sometimes I take my laptop out in the garden. I can work from there. It's all nice and picture skew, very clement. <laughs> and then uh, as soon as it gets to about eight o'clock in the evening, it's like, right, I'm going to start winding down, settling down to, you know, for the evening. And it's just, ah, I'm sticking to everything. It, the thing is, it is unbelievably warm. And we do love to moan about it when it's hot. Because I saw everyone on Twitter saying, I can't wait for the winter. I was like, oh my God, we've only had it for like a couple of days. But it is unbelievably hot because the UK doesn't really get any sunshine, does it? So when we do, we like it for about an hour. Then then we've had enough. That's the way of of the world. Yeah, I was out of it yesterday, actually. I was uh, listening um, listening to a bit of Big Finish in the sun. And I was absolutely scorching. I was listening mm-hmm. to a bit of the um, Seventh Doctor uh, audios um, with uh, Louise Jameson. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, I just, I, honestly, I couldn't even get past, like, the first, because they're only, like, half an hour each episode for those ones. I couldn't even get to the end of it before I had to come in, uh, out, out of the sun. I was just, I was crispy. I was like the crispy master <laughs> from Deadliest. <laughs> I was just absolutely baked. The crispy master. The crispy, I love the crispy master. Yeah. yeah, see, I wouldn't mind so much. See, I quite like, you know, the nice weather and the sun and stuff, but it, it would be nice if you were by, you know, a pool somewhere. Exactly. With a drink yeah. and stuff, you know, then it's all... Mm, with a cocktail. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But when it's, um, you know, when you're sitting in, like I've got a an, a leather sort of office chair and um, I find that after especially in the afternoon after about half an hour, I'm having to just peel my T-shirt off mm-hmm. of my... Yeah, yeah. So we do love the, this nice weather in the UK, and I'm not sure how long it will last either. Typically, it lasts for a few weeks, and then that's your lot. So Exactly. We'll yeah. see. We'll, we'll see. see. But anyways, welcome aboard the TARDIS. New listeners, waving, waving. Hello, hello. 
Old listeners, grizzled ancients, welcome back. <laughs> Adam and I run through everything that's going on in Doctor Who, news, merchandise, and then we pick a review this week at Sarah Jane. Yeah. Kudlak. Kudlak, yes. I'm only just getting that right. I keep pronouncing it wrong. Kudlak. Kudlak. Mm. Yeah, so, uh, one thing we don't do, and this is, I've, this is a kind of um, uh, a sort of message to people that follow us on Twitter and so on. We don't do rumours and leaks and all that stuff around here. Mm. Over the last couple of days, I've been sent a few tweets saying, go and watch this video. It's a leak from the Beeb, go and see Jody, etc. Don't do that around here. But everyone has. I, I've got to, we may as well yeah. address this while we're talking about it. I, I've got really quite annoyed, actually, because, like, I don't get annoyed very often. I'm pretty easygoing, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and norm- normally, I think a couple, you know, I think I've said before, I don't mind little spoilers here and there. Um, but because, and we were talking about this on Saturday actually, because it has been so well guarded, and we haven't had anything um, for once. I've like got to the stage where I don't want any spoilers at all. Like you know, normally I don't mind the odd little photo, or whatever, mm-hmm. but I really have enjoyed like the anticipation and build up because we're actually now, believe it or not, probably only a couple of months away from from the series airing. Okay. It's, yes. It'll come around pretty quick. It always does. We think it's like, you know, oh it's so far away. And it, you know, it's it's on its way. It's coming. So we haven't got that long to wait, right? So the fact we've had nothing I've got to the point where I've, I'm absolutely loving knowing nothing about the show because I'm so excited for that first episode. The fact I know nothing at all about it whatsoever. So I think um, the fact that we have had this thing leak, so there was about a minute, what was it, a minute and something long yeah, clip something like of, yeah. of Jodie um, from the first episode. And also there's been a few spoilery picks um, floating around with a possible device which might possibly be the Sonic or might possibly be something. You know, so a few things have crept out. Um, part of me wonders if it's up to do with the, uh, is it the San Diego Comic Con that they're appearing at? That's right. Yep. Because normally they get an exclusive and that's coming out quite soon. So I'm wondering if this is where it's come from. Because wherever it's come from, you know, somebody's going to get, you know, a right old slapped wrist. A rollicking. A rollicking, yes. Yeah. So, um, but I, I will admit, mate, for once, I, I'm quite annoyed about it because <laughs> literally everybody I know has watched it. The it was almost impossible to avoid like seeing pictures. I mean, you can avoid the clip because obviously you have to click on the link to watch it. But there were pictures absolutely everywhere. It wasn't just on my Facebook. It wasn't just on my Twitter. So you know, because you can think, well, I just you know, I'll have to stay off it. I just you know. I, don't want to see it so i'll just keep off it mm-hmm. but then i opened up youtube and uh there were thumbnails with the blimmin this device you know i'm not going to say it's the sonic because we don't know but what everyone's saying is the new sonic there were pictures of it on youtube you know as thumbnails so it's just like oh god it just seemed to be almost impossible to avoid it and i feel really sorry for the you know the mm-hmm. fans like myself and you that, that don't want any spoilers you know because I get that people want to make YouTube videos about it, saying their thoughts on it. I get that. But but it's just like, don't encourage these guys to leak it. You know, mm-hmm. you don't even, you should, don't even support it. It's, it's just like, yeah, I just thought it was a real shame. So I I, I haven't watched the clip. I, I, I will be absolutely honest. It was um, posted in a, in a chat I was in, a link to it. Everybody was talking about it. 
I did give in and I thought, oh, let's have a look then. So I clicked on it. I watched about 20 seconds and all the sound was out of sync. And it was, you know, obviously Jodie's doctor. I thought, no. And I switched off. So I I haven't seen it. I've seen about 20 seconds of a right, really right. dark, you know, clip saying property of BBC. And, and you know, as I said, that's all I've seen. And I, but unfortunately, I have seen all these pictures, spoiler pictures from it and whatever this other thing is. Um, yeah, it's just, I just think it's real, a real shame. Actually, the Chibbers must be doing his nut cause he has done so well right. up yep. until now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He has done well. He's, I think more than any other, any other, um, uh, showrunner we've seen thus far has managed to mm. have like complete lockdown. I know there's been the odd photo that's gone out and circulated and so on. Um, but you can't really, con- you can't control everything. So it's I, impossible. Yeah. It? yeah. So I understand that you can't control like location shoots and stuff like that. Mm. They're always going to be fans who know that stuff and they'll go with their phone. And even like um, when Jody's posed with people, when they've been out on location, you know, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I can deal with that because that you can't really, you know, you can't control everything. But mm. when you have leaks like this, proper leaks, you know, it's not on because, and don't get me wrong. There are fans that love that stuff. And, I know, and yeah. Fair play, you know. If you're yep. if you're into that, if you want as much of the juicy, you know, leaky, gossipy stuff beforehand, then fine, go nuts. Mm. But it's just when it's it's everywhere. And I know of a couple of other podcasts that I listen to, and a couple of YouTube channels that I watch of, of Doctor Who, and they they actually post videos and stuff about rumors, leaks, and so on. You know, and I don't agree with, you know, if, if you want to go into that whole thing, then fine. But just try and keep it contained to your community or your whatever it is you're doing, YouTube or or, or your podcast. I completely agree. For fans that don't want to see it, you shouldn't be exposed to it just by sort of randomly clicking on a tweet or a, a video. It's, um, I, I get you. It does burn the bacon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you, mate. And as I said, I don't mean to go off on a tangent because I do get it. I'm not being an old grouch. I know a lot of people love spoilers and that's absolutely fine. My point is uh, what you've just said, really, is just that uh, there doesn't seem to be any respect for anybody who doesn't. You know, no, it's kind of no. like, oh, well, you shouldn't be on social media if you don't see spoilers. I don't agree with that. Well, why should I cut myself off for, from Facebook, Twitter and YouTube for a week? Because people are just blasting it everywhere. Exactly. You know, it's, it's exactly. not just have a little bit of common decency is all i'm saying yeah if you want to enjoy the spoilers i think it's more the fact that people get something and they like you know they want to sort of almost boast and brag look i've got it you know there's a couple of people i saw like really so you know i've got i've got it downloaded on my laptop i you know i could watch it you know you shouldn't have it it's property of the bbc no yeah fine you've watched it we get it you know you don't need to sort of shove it in my face i don't want to know something so yeah so i did get a little bit annoyed um and we was funny because we were only talking about how well chibbers was doing on on saturday but um to be fair uh i mean the clip itself from what i understand isn't that spoilery so that's good but <laughs> you know so he is still doing a good job he where is. you know whatever yep. the, you know he's still doing a very good job indeed uh, yeah. um, and we haven't seen any set pics or anything so that's all good he is doing a good job he is yeah bless his little heart <laughs> let's leave that stuff let's talk about what you and i were up to then last oh, yes. saturday so you and i took a trip into landon yeah as we sometimes do but this time it was to go and see a screening of genesis of the daleks at the bfi um cinema yes and we love going there don't we because it's a really cool it's little great. cinema it's uh great place it's one of the if you um 
if you can picture in your mind, listeners, some of the really cool modern cinemas that you might go to, like an Odeon or uh, some Cineworlds or Empire, stuff like that, it's nothing like that at all. And that what and that makes it really cool. Actually, it's it's quite mm. an old cinema. You know, it hasn't. Um, you know, it hasn't got like you know Dolby Atmos or, or any of that stuff. And the seats are quite old. But I tell you what, they're really comfy. Mm. You know, there's a lot more legroom there than you have in sort of modern cinemas. And it's just a really cool place to go, especially for these Doctor Who events. And we've said it so many times: when you're there, surrounded by loads of other Who fans, it's really cool atmosphere. Mm. And uh, and Genesis was um, crikey. I mean, we can't say too much because you and I haven't reviewed this together. Oh, no. Yeah, I keep forgetting we haven't you reviewed know. it yet. And we yeah. will do that. It is on. The, we've, we get, we've got that loads afterwards. It's like, have you guys mm. reviewed this yet? You should do it. You should do it. Mm. You should do it. So we, we will get round to it as soon as Series 11 is done and we get back onto um, the the other reviews. We'll We'll put it in there for sure. But it was really, really cool watching that at the cinema, wasn't it? It was it was fantastic actually, and I purposely haven't watched Genesis um, for quite a long time, and uh, and because I knew we got it coming up, I thought right, I won't watch it because, you know, it'll almost seem quite fresh. I think because it's been so long since I've seen it. Um, yes, and it was it was such a good day, and I agree with you about the BFI. I lo- absolutely love going there. It almost feels like um, being in a. A sort of like a mini convention mm. somehow because you've got all your who fans around you and the more we go the more people we get to know don't we we sort of see you know sometimes we see the same faces of friends that we've made through you know through the who community um on this occasion we got to meet some new friends we got to meet uh one of our listeners paul who, who spent most of the day with us so that was really cool he was cool paul. Uh, yep. he was yeah cool paul as he will be known <laughs> for now um, we also got to do a bit of celebrity mingling because we went to the bfi bar afterwards and you know you had the time ladies there you had crystal d there you had uh, lee sullivan yep uh, lee binding uh, <laughs> yes <laughs> i knew as soon as i said it i was like it's not lee sullivan lee binding yep. who's lee sullivan that's because we were talking about lee sullivan as the <laughs> the other comic artist he was he was oh gosh uh, i know for, forbidden planet with cartmel and yeah yeah Sorry, Lee, if you're listening. Yeah, Lee, Lee Binding, yeah. Um, I have to say, actually, just stopping on Lee for a second, he was an absolute highlight for me of the day. He I don't know awesome. about you. Yeah, yeah. He, I've never met Lee before. I know you chat to him a lot on Twitter, don't mm-hmm. you? Um, I've never met him before, and uh, our good friend Morgan sort of introduced us. And uh, what a great, absolutely great, genuinely funny yeah. And just one of those people you could just spend the whole day with. He just is such a fun guy to be around. Um, you guys got to see the season 12 box set as well, which he had with him, which I, I must have missed that because you were all talking about it. I must have mm. been at the bar. Um, so you got to actually hold the the real thing, didn't you? Yeah, we got a hands on. Mm. So um, any of our listeners who are unsure of who Lee Binding is, Lee is the guy that does uh, a huge amount of um design and artwork for the bbc he does a lot of the blu-ray and dvd covers and he's done some big finish covers and all that stuff so he does an awful lot in terms of art and design and stuff and he was the guy that designed the new series 12 blu-ray box Mm -hmm. so he had it there he had like a pre-release sort of rough uh um version of it 
and it looks really nice, beautiful inside. Um, really, really mm. cool. And I saw on Twitter actually a few people have actually got theirs already, depending on where you ordered it from. So yeah, I think it was the Zoom. People the Zoom, were saying, "Oh, I ordered yeah. it from Zoom, and they've already got it." Yeah, yeah quite jealous cool. of that actually. Yeah, ours is not here until next week from Amazon. But um, mm. but no, <laughs> Lee's one of those guys that I was really, really impressed with Lee because what genuinely what you'll find with um, I'm not saying that he's a celebrity per se. You know, he's not been in. You know, does that make sense? He's not like I know um, you mean, yeah. but but he is involved with the show. And typically, what you find is people sort of keep fans like people like that keep fans at sort of an arm's length, if you like. Mm. You know, they they interact with fans and stuff, but that's it. You know, they won't sort of go too far. But I tell you what, Lee, he was so cool because he was there with his partner and you know their circle of friends. Yeah, but yeah. he was with the fans the entire day. You know, he was chatting to people. He was so friendly. And then when we went for, for dinner afterwards, he stuck with us. You know, he even sat on our table while his yeah. partner and his friends were on the other table. And he was just interacting with us. And he's such a cool guy. He's really, really cool. Yeah, I definitely left a massive impression on, on, on us after we left. Like yeah. you said, just because of that, because often when you meet people, you A, you're aware you don't want to inflict yourself on them because there's often a group of sort yeah. of, you know, yeah. like you said, people that work behind the scenes, doctor and stuff. So you want to go and say hi, but you also don't want to be like, you know, imposing yourself too much on them. So you say hi, blah, blah, blah. Then they go back to their little group and you go back to yours um but with lee he just genuinely just seemed to love talking to everybody in the room didn't he it was mm -hmm. just so much fun to be around and um yeah it was, it was quite it was lovely actually just going we all went to nando's didn't we and just yeah. you know we just sat there just talking dr who and it's telling us about his cover it was just so so cool yeah yeah um but back to the screening itself we had the um the trim down 90 minute director's Ooh. cut whatever you want to call it um, which I actually didn't mind because I think having all four parts in the cinema would have been quite long. So um, oh, yeah. I didn't mind this. The way it's put together is actually quite nice. The only thing I do miss with these, um, with these, um, whatever you want to call it, this, when you take away the episodic element and you, you view it more as a film, mm. is I do miss the cliffhangers a little Me bit. Me too, yeah, yeah. I think that's a, a common opinion. I do miss those. But overall, it was really good. And then we got the Q&A with um, Philip Hinchcliffe, didn't we, afterwards, which mm. was quite cool. I mean, I, I love Philip. He's such a, um, you know, he's been such a wonderful influence on, on Classic Who and so on. Yeah. Um, but I do find his answers a bit samey. That's the only thing I'll say about it because I've, if you read any interviews with Philip and um, before I met you guys, I went to Forbidden Planet as you do when you're in mm. London and I picked up the latest issue of SFX magazine because they were doing a Doctor Who special. Oh, it's really good. Actually. Yeah, it's I've good. picked it up as well. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a, an interview in there with Philip. And if you read that, his answers were pretty much the same that he gave at the BFI when he was being interviewed right. and an interview I read with Philip in a different magazine is going back two or three years ago. His answers are pretty much the same there as well. So although I love Philip, you know, he's really cool and he's his insights into that era of who and stuff um, and his work with, um, uh, who's the, the director that he works closely with. I forget his name. Oh, sorry. The other um, Bob Holmes. Um, so him and Bob Holmes, you know, like a, a immense force you know mm. storytelling and creative force in that era of doctor who i just wish that we got like uh, just a bit more you know a few more nuggets of juicy info about tom and that sort of thing because he does yeah. keep himself quite reserved doesn't he 
Yeah, I know what you mean. He's not like the Moff with them because I always think Stephen Moffat, no matter what you think of him, you get him on a stage, he's so entertaining, uh-huh. and and yeah. he just says what he thinks, doesn't he? Sometimes it's not always a good thing, but he just will <laughs> come out with it, and yeah. it's you always know you're going to get something from him. Like you said, we yeah, I mean, I thought Philip was. Um, yeah, it was very interesting on stage, but I know exactly what you mean. He just, it's not like it's scripted, but he sort of sticks to the, it's as if he's, he's been asked his questions many times. He's got like, he's already got the answer before the question almost, doesn't he? <laughs> so he just kind of reels it out. And they're normally quite short, concise answers as well. Yeah. I found. Yeah. yeah. It's like, he'll, yeah, there's your answer next. And then, <laughs> and then you're on to it. So it's, yeah, I do know what you're saying, but um, I was really hoping that we were going to get Frank Skinner up on stage again. Cause he was there. Um, and uh, but he, they didn't because sometimes he's always at these doctor events, isn't he? And sometimes always. they just say, "Do you yeah. want to come up on stage, Frank?" And he's always really entertaining. And he would have been really good, I think, with with Philip. He might have coaxed a bit more out of him with his sort of cheeky <laughs> style, you know. Yeah, but at least you got your your picture signed, though. Yeah, finally. Time. Yeah, I've had this picture of Frank Skinner as Perkins um, from I mean on on Express on me. Um, for every event for the last, the last four or five events, because Frank normally comes out and he'll sign and have pictures. He's normally pretty chilled. Um, but the last few events, uh, I've just not managed to get him. I think the one with the moth, he, they kind of headed straight to the bar and he didn't come out. And I, so I've had this picture of me for ages. And I said to you, didn't I, I don't think I'm ever going to get this signed because it, you know, the ones I met him before and I didn't have anything to sign. The one now I've got something, I just couldn't seem to get it signed. But yes, he did sign it and he was very nice. I got a picky with him as well. So he's very chilled as Frank. Yes. He's quite, it's quite easy going. Um, I'll tell you the other thing I loved about the BFI event, mate, was that, um, and I hoped we were going to get this. They didn't mention it, but Tom did a little intro before the actual um oh yeah screening yeah. so we got a little exclusive message from Tom, uh, which they did for the Shardra event as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a really nice little message. Actually, basically, it was just saying, "I hope you enjoy it," and uh, you know, and some, he said something about um, Liz and Ian Marta, uh, Elizabeth Slade and Ian Marta living on through Doctor Who and stuff. It was quite yeah, a yeah, short yeah. but very nice little mm-hmm. message before the screening, mm-hmm. uh, and then afterwards we got to see some of the extras from the new Blu-ray set, which were brilliant. Really, I did. mean, they were yeah. so, and they showed us quite a lot. I was surprised how much we got to see actually. So it's quite a long sort of session actually what with the q a and the actual 90 minute film version and then you know the message from tom and then we got to see two lots of extras didn't we so it's quite a long stint in there actually it's a good job those seats aren't comfy mm. one <laughs> but, of the features uh, looks really good it's um it's called behind the sofa and uh, <laughs> it's like a goggle box anyone that knows the show goggle box where you basically you've got a camera on people on the sofa and you're watching them and they're watching something on the tv and um it was really cool because one of them was tom baker philip hinchcliffe and the lady who was with them i didn't recognize her but they were watching genesis i think it's liz's daughter oh it could be yeah i'm not sure and the other one was um uh, who was it uh janet fielding Fielding. louise jameson and um sarah sutton that's it yeah the three yeah and they were watching it as well and um it was really funny wasn't it it's Mm. and it's not like um you know when you've watched commentaries on the classic dvds before and you're watching it and then you've got the audio overdub of those guys commenting on what's happening it's Mm. like the complete opposite to that you're actually watching them and they sort of flick between like the clip that they're watching and then it flicks to them on the sofa mm. but they but they're not commenting on it in a way that, that is meant to be informative 
Because on those commentaries, apart from Black Orchid, of course, with those commentaries <laughs> on the classic DVDs, <laughs> they're, they're typically trying to give you like, oh, when we were filming this scene, so-and-so made a joke and it was funny. Or when we were filming this scene, the lighting guy tripped over and that's why the effect looks, you know, it's more sort of trivia, informative base. Whereas this one, all they're doing is just completely taking the mick out of, you know, pretty much everything they're seeing and they're taking the mick out of themselves as well. Janet Fielding so, was hilarious in, in the yeah, one she, yeah. the clip they showed of her, really funny. Yeah, it was really good. So I'm really looking forward to watching all of that special mm. feature because we saw roughly 10 minutes of it, didn't we? Yeah, we saw it, yeah, about yeah. 10 minutes of that. I must admit, that's the bit I, I really enjoyed. I, I can't wait to see more of that. Um, we also got to see about 20 minutes of um, the new Tom Baker interview with Matthew Sweet. And uh, I said to you afterwards that, that that looks like an amazing interview because Tom, I love Tom in interviews, but he's often very, he comes out with stories, very sort of, um, I wouldn't say exaggerated, but they're often, you know, he's you know really sort of building up the story uh-huh. in this interview. I, and you said the same, didn't you? He seems to be slightly more toned down, really, really honest um, uh, answers to the questions and, and really interesting. Like, it just it just looks like such a good interview. Um, I don't know about you, mate, but I had to uh, had to wipe away a little tear um, when he started talking about uh, what was he saying about how much time he'd got left and stuff. And he was very reflective yeah, uh, in yeah. the clips that we saw. Um, and uh, yeah, it was quite emotional. Uh, but it was just it just looks like such a great interview. Again, I can't wait to uh, even more anticipation for that season twelve box set, which we should have next week, I think. Hopefully, Next week, yeah, the second yeah, it's of been July. delayed a few times, but yeah. like you said, people are starting to get it. So, yeah, they look amazing. Those extras, the new extras. So we had a great time. We had a, a really good time on Saturday. It was uh, one of those really cool, nice, um, sort of yeah, just really cool who days where, like you said, it's um, felt like a mini a mini convention. You just meet up with loads of cool peeps and and stuff. I love days like that. Really good. Mm, yeah. Me too, mate. Was is there anybody I've missed um, that was in? Because it felt like there were loads of um, people from Doctor Who in that BFI. <clears throat> I know we saw our old mate Camzy blog to Who. Oh, Camzy. He yeah. was there. It's good to see old Camzy. Is there anyone else I've missed? There just seemed to be loads of Who people around us that, you know, you think, oh, they do that. They do the Doctor Who magazine. Mm. They do it. Just, it was just, yeah, it was brilliant. I think the only other person that was there that we didn't chat to this time was um, Mark Ayers. Oh yes, he was yes. wandering around, and um, yeah, so he's he's the guy that sort of spearheads all of the audio production. Oh, he does and a great stuff job for the restoration yeah. team. So he was there, saw him a few times, um, but didn't um, I didn't stop him this time. No, um, but overall, cracking day. It was, mate, absolutely superb. Yeah, very very cool. So that's enough about what we did. Shall we see what's going on in the news? Hmm. One bit of news before we move on to merch. And this is kind of, in a way, this is the sort of official announcement that we've been waiting for. Because Mm. so far, nobody's actually come out and said, yes, this is the case, but we have it confirmed now. So Murray Gold is officially gone. He's out of it. He's out. He's been picked up by his shirt collar. He's been hoyed out the back door (laughs) into the alleyway. They're not allowing him to go back out the front. He has to go out the back. 
see you later. Thanks for everything. Might see you at a convention in a few years. <laughs> so Murray's gone and the BBC have confirmed that mm. the Series 11 uh, score will be composed by Segan Akinola. Yes, so that's now been confirmed. Interestingly enough, they don't mean they the way that the BBC have worded this is because when um they brought Who back in 2005, Murray Gold was um and well not announced, but he was um uh, sort of detailed as the new composer of Doctor Who. He didn't say that Murray Gold is gonna be composing for series one insinuating mm. that somebody else might do it for series two onwards and so on. Murray Gold was just the composer. So interestingly enough, um, they haven't said that. They haven't said that um, that Segan is going to be the new composer. It's just he's the new composer for series 11. So that suggests to me that potentially we'll see how this goes. He could be back for series 12, or he could just be the new composer moving mm. forward like Murray Gold. However... This is great news because, like I said, for ages now, um, Murray Gold, you know, hasn't has hasn't actually come out and said it's official. I'm now I've left, you know, Doctor Who, and the BBC mm. haven't said anything. So this is kind of our right now. We've got a new composer. Look forward to new music for Doctor Who. So not only will he be composing the incidental music that you will hear throughout each episode, but he's also going to do his own fresh take on the theme tune, mm. which is very interesting because, and also very cool because um, everything has changed with Doctor Who. You know, it's yeah. one of those big, big resets that we had when the Moff and Matt Smith took over, you know, we've got, because they did exactly the same thing. They, you know, the new logo, the new look and feel, you know, everything. The only difference is that Murray Gold, obviously, Carried came, on. came with them. So mm. um, I would say this makes perfect sense because, you know, if they're going to change so much, you know, a new doctor, a new branding logo, everything's different, you know, why not have a new theme, uh, a new theme tune to go with it? So he's going to be doing everything, basically, a new theme tune, the new incidental music. And uh, so a bit about Sagan himself. Um, he trained at the Royal Birmingham uh, Conservatoire. Mm. Um, uh uh, so that's where um, he sort of trained to sort of earn his musical chops, if you like. Uh, some other work that he's done, um, he uh, composed the score um, for the BBC four-part series, Black and British, A Forgotten History. Um, he's also done things for um, uh, Dear Mr. Shakespeare um, and uh, some other bits. Um, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't recognise his name. His name doesn't shout out to me. As a, mm. as a composer that I know from TV or film. Um, but we do have a bit of blurb as well from Chibbers. So he says, Welcome to the Doctor Who family. We're over the moon uh, that Sagan's agreed to join us to provide the score for the next phase of the Doctor Who, ad- of the Doctor Who adventure. Uh, from our very first conversations, it was obvious that he was passionate, collaborative, and a delightful human being, as well as fantastic and bold composer. We're looking forward to introducing the world to his exciting and emotional soundtracks for the mm. 13th Doctor. And then he said, um, Doctor Who is woven into the fabric of British culture culture and recognised globally. I'm absolutely thrilled to be given the privilege of working on such a beloved series and to bring my musical voice to it. Mm-hmm. 
So what do you reckon, mate? Are you excited about this or have you got reservations? <laughs> no, very excited. Very excited indeed. Um, I, I, I don't know the name. Like you said, I didn't, uh, when they announced this last night on Twitter, I was like, oh, you know, but I, I like that because, again, it, it adds an air of mystery. Like, uh, I loved Murray's music, but I think we both agreed that he got a bit samey towards the end. But then he did, you know, 10 series, was it? So, yeah. you know, it's understandable. Um, so it uh, it's, absolutely does make perfect sense to have somebody new to give it a totally fresh mm-hmm. feel. Um, I'm, I'm very excited, mate. I don't know his name. I don't know any of his stuff. Um, but a few people have circulated a few pieces from SoundCloud and what I've heard sounds very good. Um, it sounds a little bit more electronic, which is what I would love to hear. I'd love to hear a bit more simps creeping back into Doctor Who as a keyboard player myself. I'd love to hear mm-hmm. a bit more synthesizer coming in as well as all the other stuff. So uh, I've got a very good feeling about this. I would love to know if he did the little, you know, the trailer we got with the TARDIS shooting through when they revealed the new logo, we got, oh, yeah. we got this yeah. sort of a hint of, of I, I still think it might've been part of the new theme. It's sort of like, to know, this sort of broken piece of music playing out throughout it, um, which I loved. And again, sounds a little bit electronic and stuff. So I wonder if mm. he, if he did that, I don't know, but um, yeah, I'm very excited by this, mate. I think it's, um, I think it's really cool. Yeah. Can't wait to hear what he, he comes up with. Very cool. And um, yeah. apparently his recent work, if anybody wants to check out anything, uh, that he's done recently he did um he did the scores for a three-part series the human body secrets of your life revealed and he also did the score for a two-part series expedition volcano that went out on bbc2 so those were fairly recent apparently so if you want to check out what his style is like and what he's capable of you can check those out i'm assuming they're on uh, at least the volcano thing will be on iplayer because it's fairly recent Probably, mate. I'm just thinking it's such a that must be such a daunting task as well, oh, having to yeah. come up with the new theme tune. Like all eyes are on you, on there. It's, it's such a, it's such an important part of the show. I think the Doctor Who theme. You know, um, for I don't know about you, but I never ever um, really took to the last theme that we got. You know, no, Murray I did that like theme no. for twelve um, mm-hmm. for the twelfth Doctor. Sorry, for series. When did that creep in? Was it series 10 or did we get it for series nine as well? It was nine. Yeah. Yeah. That horrible shrieky violin. I I thought it'd grow on me, but it never, ever did. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'll be glad to see that gone. Um, yeah. So he must, I don't know, just like the weight on this man's shoulders to come (laughs) up with the things you must be immense, but, um, I'm looking so forward to hearing it. Yeah. And let's hope that this time the BBC and whatever publishing company, they work their paperwork out. We don't end up waiting for three years for the <laughs> Series 11 soundtrack. So let's It would be nice, yeah. 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 yeah, it would be nice. <laughs> there we go. That's good news. Something to look forward mm. to. Uh, but let's bring in our metal friend and see what he's got for us. Merch Corner. Merch Corner. Merch Corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish. But it's pretty. It's very pretty. Big finish, Adam. Yay. We love stories. We do love stories. <laughs> so big finish are on a bit of a roll these days with Torchwood. Oh, they are loving it. Which is quite cool because um, I would say this is the only outlet that John Barrowman has to sort of get his Captain Jack on. Yes. Because after you know, I'm still a bit bummed out about that, you know. Because so I, is he. <laughs> I remember a couple of, what was it? It must have been two or three years ago now. 
if anybody follows him on Twitter or Instagram, you would have seen that he tried so hard, didn't oh, he, yeah. to get yeah. Torchwood back for another series on the TV. And I remember him going, like flying to London and going to have meetings with the BBC and really sort of trying to say, look, fans want to see Torchwood again. I really want to do it. Let's make it happen. Um, and if you, <laughs> if you believe John Barrowman or not, if you believe him, um, he says that Stephen Moffat, you know, blocked you know, put a blocker on that and didn't want it. Whether that's true or not, or whether he was just venting at somebody, you know, because at that time, Stephen Moffat was the face of Doctor Who for the BBC. Mm. So and he denied it, didn't he? I remember when there's that big sort of face-off between the two. They were yes. like, no, I didn't say that. Yes, you did. And, yeah. 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 <laughs> so um, thank the Lord for Big Finish. Eh? <laughs> Him always the one, because uh, anyone that picked up the, the recent um, story uh, called Believe, that was out a few months back um, mm. uh, from Big Finish, that Torchwood story. That was superb. That was like the full cast proper. Because I think um, some of the Torchwood stories prior to that, they had like a slightly different style than the, mm. the normal Big Finish things. They were more of a sort of, um, it was more of a, the narrative was more sort of somebody talking over, describing the events of what's happening rather than a full-on audio play. Should I say they were they were more sort of that direction I would say, yeah. And but uh, mm. believe that was like a full on proper you know cast audio play. It was really really good. So uh, big finish have now announced that series six of Torchwood is coming in October, and this one is titled God Among Us, um, which is kind of a play because I think one of their previous ones wasn't it Aliens Among Us. Yeah, previous box sets, something like that. Yeah. Um, So, um, some blurb from Big Finish. Then Um, it has been renounced as returning, um, but this time the team is ready for its greatest threat. They'll be fighting an alien god in the fiery start to series six. Um, A little bit of blurb. So the producer on this one, James Goss, says we had such a great reaction to series five. It's been a delight getting the cast back together to do more. Now things are established, the stories are more standalone. Uh, seeing Torchwood face some tough challenges, a plague of sleep, a city that goes blind, organising a funeral, and then there's an alien god to deal with. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Barrowman says that they are really great stories in Series 6. They really move the narrative forward. I find all over the world from... Puerto Rico to Paris, from London to Pensacola, Florida to South America. They are huge Torchwood fans, and the audience is always growing. Mm-hmm. So this that's one of the things that John Barrowman really tried to plug to the BBC before. He, I remember him saying, look, wherever I go in the world, there's always tons of Torchwood fans. Yeah. And they always say to me, when is Torchwood coming back? Mm-hmm. So I'm really, that's what I mean. This is, must be a great outlet for John Barrowman to have his tortured baby because it is his thing. You know, I know that Russell T. Davis created this as a spin off and stuff, but, you know, overall, you know, John Barrowman, he's like the leading man. He's the guy that loves his character. He absolutely loves Captain I was going to say, he, he loves that part, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. So it's, a, it's really cool to see him, you know, and it's really cool that the way they do it as well. If you look at some of the, um, some of John Barrowman's Instagram videos and stuff, when they were recording the story Believe, 
he was in Florida somewhere recording his part. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so he was in a studio over there. They had other people in London doing their bit or whatever it is. Mm. And they sort of, you know, managed to sort of direct it well enough to put it together. And it's really cool. So um, Series 6, October. It's um, up for pre-order already. It's the um, the usual web special prices from Big Finish. So if you want the CD box set, it's £28. Or if you want just the digital, it's £25. October. Yeah, that sounds really good, doesn't it? I mean, I I need to catch up with some of this stuff. I mean, Big Finish output's incredible. <laughs> it is. It's so hard yeah. to keep up with, but I've heard really good stuff about the Tortured releases, and um, yeah, it's good to see it going from strength to strength. Indeed. Uh, uh, talking of audiobooks, uh, BBC audiobooks uh, continue their range um, with the... You know, the TV stories coming out, being read by actors. And the next one coming up, um, which I think is in November, was it? Yep. It's scheduled for November the 1st this year, is Kayser Androzani. And it's going to be read by the fifth doctor himself, Peter Davison, uh, which is cool because they often get like the, you know, the, uh, it's not often we get the doctor himself reading the audiobooks these no, days. No. I think Tom Baker did a few Oh, some time ago now. I'm pretty sure he did Brain of Morbius. And, Eight years um, ago. Yeah. yeah, it's a long time ago, but we normally get like companions reading them and stuff, which is all really good. Um, they do very good job. Sophie Eldred's very good at reading the Seventh Doctor ones. But yeah, it's nice to see that Peter's come back to read. And I think it's because he, he loves this story, doesn't he, Peter? He, he regards it, mm-hmm. like a lot of us, as um, as one of his best, if not the best. So, uh, so that's going to be good. Um, it's currently says it's 20 pounds on amazon um no doubt the price will go up and down between now and november <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah it's it's good isn't it i mean I, i've got a few of these i've got a lot of the bbc audiobooks actually um i tend to cherry pick them because so many come out but uh this one appeals to me quite a lot um because i do love kate's androzani it's a good story um and it was novelized by Terence Dix as well, who I always think he is great at taking the story elements and making them nice and uh, a nice read, if you like. Yeah, he makes it yeah. very accessible. So, yeah, so it's going to be good. Yeah, it's 1st of this, November, apparently. Yeah, is this one for you, mate? Do you think you might grab this? Oh, absolutely. Or, yeah, pre-order audio, for me. Yeah. Yeah, looks very good. A fantastic story and um, it, read by the Doctor, as you said. Mm. Yeah. Uh, last bit of merch. Um, you guys may, any of the um, uh, collectors among you who have been collecting the the range of um, DVDs that have been put out by real-time pictures over the last year or so, just titled The Doctors. Um, they've gone from, you know, Hartnell, Troughton, um, Pertwee and Baker. Um, they're releasing a new one called uh, The Doctors Villains. Mm. Um and it's uh, meet the actors who played the villains from TV's top science fiction TV's top science fiction series. Oh, right. Apparently, mm-hmm. I'd agree with that. Um, yeah. So yeah, this is out um, again in November, November the fifth. And I can't comment too much on these because I haven't picked any up yet. But I know that you've got all of the um, the other DVDs called the Doctors. I have, yeah. So I assume this is one for you. Oh, it absolutely is because yep. they're actually really good and they're normally really um, well priced as well. So, is this a two? They're normally two. Yeah, this is a two disc set as well. So, all the previous ones have been two disc sets and they normally retail for around ten pounds, which I think is 
brilliant value. Um, I can only assume it's because the interviews themselves can be quite old. You know, I think they were done in perhaps the 80s, 90s, possibly. Mm-hmm. They've remastered them, so they, you know, the picture quality is is certainly watchable, if not like high def like you might expect from today's interviews but they are really interesting and um i've just picked up they've just released the seventh doctor one the sylvester mccoy years which i've just picked up i haven't had a chance to actually watch much of it yet but that's got like interviews with sylvester and um who else is on there uh lisa barrowman and you know it's you know they're always really good value like i said for 10 pound you can't go wrong they did one recently called the doctors the monsters which sounds very similar to this where they talked about people that had played daleks and you know yetis and all that sort of stuff and you sort of think well have they got much to say about the show it was a great dvd i really enjoyed watching it because you sort of think well you know they're not really actors i don't really know the name that well you know are they going to be as good as the other ones so if this is anything like that yeah, I'm definitely getting it. We don't know who's on it. Um, the cover's got a picture of Roger Delgado, Dan Vross. Um, who was the other guy on that? Omega. So it doesn't actually say who's been interviewed on it. But yeah, if got, it's those guys, <laughs> amazing. It's got, what's his name from Pyramids of Mars? Um, uh, it's not, oh, I can't remember his name. Scaraman. Scaraman, yeah. Mm. Um, it does look very cool. It does. It does look very cool. And it's, um, I've, I'm, like I said, I'm yet to pick these up because based on your recommendation, they're very good. Um, you, but yeah. You can't go wrong for the price, mate. They yeah. are, honestly, as I said, some interviews are better than others, um, but um, they're great value and the interviews are always really interesting. Nick Briggs does a lot of the interviewing on, on them as well. So, cool. yeah, I really recommend these. Yeah. And again, that will be out. Um, that's up for pre-order now. It's fourteen ninety nine. And I think they normally drop to about $9.99 after a few months, don't they? I was going to say, yeah, it's weird. Amazon always seems to have them for $14.99. They do drop, but then they seem to go back up on Amazon. Um, I tend to get mine from Galaxy 4, uh, normally sell them for $9.99 free delivery, or I go to H&V or FOP that normally have them for £10 or $9.99. So, yeah, if you're anywhere near H&V and FOP, they do tend to get them... um, for you know for that price so it's a bit cheaper yes galaxy 4 is a cool website actually yeah yeah they get a lot of the uh, real-time dvds mm. and stuff and i they're normally free delivery on dvds as well so indeed mm. uh, any listeners that want to check out you can get loads of books and dvds and all sorts from those guys it's galaxy 4 as in the number 4.co.uk go and check them out yeah yes uh, interesting enough, I think on the upcoming season twelve Blu-ray box set, isn't the the Tom Baker years actually as one of the special features? I think uh, it's a, or it's, it a, it's a, a different, different thing. It's oh, a different okay. thing. Yeah, yeah, it's quite confusing because they've got the same name. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> I'm so the, the Tom Baker years. It's on the the upcoming Blu-ray. Is something else. You're gonna love it. It's just it's it's basically an early version version of Gogglebox. It's Tom watching all the clips. Oh, but not yes. remembering a yeah. thing. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Rightio. That's merch. Yes. News and merch done. It's time for review. What are we doing this week, buddy? So Sarah Jane this week, and it's uh, Warriors of Kudlak. Have all these kids really gone missing? Me and Mr. Kudlak run a special competition for the more skilled competitors. This is wicked. It's like Premier League for laser tag. 
Do you think you're man enough to have a go? Soon you shall have all the children you need. 24 children have disappeared recently. All cities where there's a combat 3,000... Don't worry about them, Miss Smith. The ultimate warrior of the future is always on guard for a surprise attack. Mm. Perhaps I can help. Goodbye, Miss Smith. Things are finally picking up round here. You're a disgrace to your own species, Grantham. Kids from all over the country must have been going missing. I doubt that men like you fare too well in prison. And what's with all this warrior stuff? All we did was win a game of laser tag. Oh, yeah. We rock. <laughs> it's not cooed like the calls all the shots. Whatever's going on across the galaxy has got nothing to do with us. Prepare the recruits for transportation to the front. Yes, mistress. Kublak doesn't see it like that. Oh, I'll be back, Mr. Grantham. I'll be back. She will be. She will be. Yes. So, Warriors of Kudlak from Sarah Jane Adventures. It was first broadcast in October 2007. It was written by Phil Gladwin, directed by Charles Martin. And it stars, obviously, Liz Sladen, uh, Sarah Jane, and then Yasmin Page, Tommy Knight, Daniel Anthony. And Alexander Armstrong as Mr. Smith. And the story is there's a new kind of kids um, quasar slash laser tag type of game that's popped up mm-hmm. in Cardiff. Oh, no, it's not Cardiff, is it? No, it's supposed to be, it's supposed um, to be London, Ealing or somewhere. Yeah. yeah, somewhere in London. I'm getting confused with Torchwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this laser tag, you know, like the sort of laser gun type of laser quest laser quest type of thing has popped up um but there's a sort of sinister um uh under underground um sort of motive going on the the guy that runs it mark uh grantham uh who has been sort of accosted by uh kudlak and his mistress mm-hmm. um to snatch children from this laser quest but they have to be like good at the game in order to be snatched they want uh their kind of um, uh, motives for this are they want to build uh, sort of an army of the future, if you like, and they think that these children who are good at laser quest um, are the best in the business, <laughs> apparently. Um, so that's, you know, their qualification is you have to be good at laser quest. So these kids are getting kidnapped straight out of the laser quest and Sarah Jane and uh, Maria and Luke and Clyde are on the case to try and get them back and it all ends in... Uh, really fun sort of uh, teleportation up to the alien ship that's in orbit mm. around the Earth. Uh, they uh, uncover a sort of conspiracy against Kudlak that he wasn't aware of. And then they get returned home safe and sound. Warriors of Kudlak, what are you saying? <laughs> I just want to give Mr. Kudlak a big hug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, no, I'll tell you what, I... Uh, um, I just found this a very enjoyable little two-parter. Actually, I'm I'm really enjoying this ride through the Sarah Jane Adventures. I I did go back and watch uh, Eye of the Gorgon because, of course, I missed the review, um, and I think that's the stronger story. Um, so I watched that one before I watched this one. I really enjoyed Eye of the Gorgon, um, uh, but but this is still good. Uh, it didn't quite have. It's it's a, it's a simpler story, you know. It's a very sort of simple story. Um, but I just found it fun. And there's some nice character progression between um, Luke and Clyde. You know, they're starting to bond and stuff. And and Sarah Jane and, and Maria 
um, also starting to bond. And it's just, I just think the series is progressing brilliantly. So the characters are really likable and you're getting these nice little stories and you're getting interesting characters like Mr. Kudlak, Mm -hmm. who's like, you think he's a baddie, but he's actually, you know, there's part of him that's, you know, quite well-meaning. He's just been misled. So there's a nice little twist at the end where he finds out and he, you know, you almost feel sorry for him. Um, so I really enjoyed this, mate. I thought it was good. It was, you know, it's not going to, I wouldn't say it's like the best story I've ever seen, but it was a nice, simple, very easy watch. Yeah. I really liked it. Cool. Yeah. Kind of agree with you there, mate. It's, um, it's a, a much, uh, a much simpler story, this one. Yes. And, uh, an enjoyable watch, no less. Um, still enjoyable. Um, yeah, I just found this one, um, uh, and I, it, that's the thing with Sarah Jane, and you constantly have to remind yourself that this is not aimed at an adult market, so mm. you do mm. have to sort of adjust your, not expectation, but you have to adjust your uh, your sort of views on it as you approach it and watch it and so on. So from a kid's show perspective, it's, you know, still very, very good, you know, great for younger viewers. Um, this one, I just found it a bit of a sort of a shallow uh, a bit of a shallow motive, if you like, for kidnapping yes. these kids. You know, it's um, it just see, it seems strange that you know these and the the characters in this. So this um, the uh, the you know Kudlak and these warriors and so on. They almost reminded me a little bit of the Sycorax. You know, oh right, yeah. In yeah. terms of um, like this kind of warrior race, mm. you know. Um, and I don't, I can't remember how to pronounce it. It's something like Uv, Uvdani, the Uvdani race or something like that. Yeah. The, 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 the Uv, the Uvodni, the Uvodni. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Um, and they remind me of like this, you know, this, because the, the, the way that the mistress ends up, you know, telling the story almost is that, you know, there's been a war that's been going on for, you know, hundreds of years, whatever. And, and, uh, and the, the Sycorax, it reminded me of that, you know, this kind of war species very much up for us you know dishing some slaps mm-hmm. out and so on yeah but i just found that that didn't quite marry up with their what they were trying to achieve so if you were that kind of race and you were warriors and you know your race is at war at the time and you want to try and end the war and by defeating the other side it doesn't seem right that you would go and you know kidnap kids you know, I, I can kind of get what they would see. You know, it's like they want to try and um, sort of capture these like very smart, able, you know, combat ready kids who perhaps could mm. grow up to be good warriors and that sort of thing. I kind of get it. But I just thought that you would go after like, you know, already, you know, hardened. Well, like the army or something. Warrior, yeah. Army people. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. So yeah. I found that like a bit, I found it like a, you know, a little bit of a shallow story in terms of, you know, the details, but, that didn't really detract too much. I still found it quite an enjoyable watch. It was just, mm. um, I didn't come away from this one thinking, oh my God, this was like, you know, Sarah Jane at its best. It was uh, just a, a, a decent sort of enjoyable watch, really. Yeah, it's definitely a very, yeah, I agree with you. It's definitely a very simple story. I mean, following on from either Gorgon, which had some really nice new ideas in it, you know, I mean, in that story, I loved it when people were turning to stone and you had a whole garden of people, stone people. And it was much more, there's a lot more going on in that story where this is very much back to basics, uh, storytelling. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, so I do, I do know what you're saying. Enjoyable nonetheless, but it's nothing, uh, 
it's nothing groundbreaking mm-hmm. or stand out from this story. It's just a, like you said, it's just sort of an easy watch, 50 minute watch, really. Some just some nice scenes in it, I think, which bring the episode up because the storyline itself, you're right, is is pretty thin. Um, but it's the other moments in the story that I thought were good. And, and also, I do love this character, Mr. Kudlak. Uh, I just love this alien, you know, in, in his blimmin' red velvet jacket. <laughs> I love characters like this. It's ludicrous and it's just brilliant. Um, and I've got to say, the mask on him is great. Very good, isn't it? Yeah. It's very good because there's loads of close-up shots of it and the eyes move and the mouth. It's really cool. Mm. Um, I mean, the design may be a bit thing but it's just really well made um i kind of wonder if they spent all the, their money on that though because <laughs> the other guys in the yeah. episode um are just wearing crash helmets and i kept thinking well who are they what are they supposed to be them underneath i wasn't quite sure it seemed like they didn't so. have any yeah. yeah it seemed like they didn't have any money to to do some masks or anything so everyone's wearing a crash helmet but and also <laughs> when he when we get to see the mistress on the screen it's clearly the same. It's the same mask, isn't it? <laughs> they because they're never in the same room at the same time. So I, you know, it's, it's yeah. a bit sus. But you know, I mean, that's a budget thing. You can't, you know, like you said, this was made for um, it was CBBC, wasn't it? it Children's was, yeah. So you know, we can't expect Doctor Who budget standards. But I, I will say, I think the mask looks fantastic. Yeah. Um, what's with the but, um? What what is with the the, the kind of long jacket. coat dressing gown sort of thing that he was but that, i don't know but it, i love it it's don't get me wrong it's got a certain <laughs> sort of charm to it i guess but yeah, I, yeah. that was something else that i couldn't quite wrap my head around mm. uh, again it's uh you know advertisers being the sort of warrior race and so on but then he's got this sort of full length smoking jacket it almost it almost looks kind of like a cross between a pertwee jacket and a and a capaldi <laughs> jacket it's uh, yes yeah <laughs> you know i just couldn't that was something else that i really maybe i'm missing something there maybe there's a reason why he's wearing that but i honestly couldn't make the connection as you know to any reason why he would wear it it's very bizarre it is um, bizarre because you, i would have thought that he would be in like you know armor based Mm-hmm. you know this sort of alien almost like a so you know the film predator yeah yeah you know it's got like the sort of bones on a chain or some rope around its neck and some armor pieces and stuff like that i almost expected well i i i would have thought something like that would be more suited to his character because up until like the last five minutes he's very much you know a uh a, a sort of hardened celebrated warrior and mm. so again it's something else that didn't quite make sense in my uh, and like i said i'm probably missing something there's probably no no i, I think it might be a budget thing man i think you're <laughs> absolutely right it doesn't look you can't imagine him having a fight in that jacket he'd oh, have to no. take that jacket no. off he'd have to do it in proper right you want a piece of me you'd have to do it in that sort of you know take taking the jacket off he means business because um, he might have a you know he might have a, a round of bullets uh <laughs> Yeah. under that jacket yeah. you just don't know um no i think it's a budget thing mate. i think they've just like well we've done we've made the mask it looks brilliant um oh we haven't really we can't really do the rest of the body Let, let's give him a big old coat that's you know he looks good in that um it it, it is ridiculous but i i love it because it's so ridiculous I, actually talking of budget um Although it does show a little bit in the story, I'll tell you something that I thought did look great. Um, there's this sweeping shot, a CGI shot of the spaceship, and oh, I can't yeah. what it kind of spins around the Earth or something. Mm. And I thought, blimey, that's good for a kid's show. 
uh, you know, that's actually a really nice bit of CGI, that. Not, uh, there are other bits of CGI on it that don't stand up as well. But do you know, there's that, I don't know if you remember, there's that one yep, shot yep. where it kind of like, the camera kind of sort of pans around the spaceship and the Earth. And I thought, that's really good for like, what year is it? 2007? And, yeah, yeah. you know, considering in, the shot didn't add anything to the story, so they didn't really need to have it. I just thought it was a really nice bit of CGI for this story. Um, yeah. So, you know, maybe the budget went on that as well. <laughs> I tell you what, mate, that bit of CGI, that mm. was better than the Impossible Planet and the, the base on... Actually, it was. It was, it yeah, was. for sure. A very nice bit of um, work on that, yeah. Mm. Very mm. cool. Uh, story-wise then, like we said, fairly simplistic. Nothing very too simple, crazy yeah. going on. Uh, before we get on to characters and stuff, um, again, this felt like... Uh, I've said the same thing about the, the last few sarah jane stories that we've done it does feel very much still as a doctor who production to me even though oh. they haven't got the same amount of pennies that the main show had mm. this still feels like i, I don't know it, it almost feels like they've got a large amount of the same crew that worked mm. on doctor who to do this because i you know just the way it looks and the way it feels it feels like you know the same camera rigs and the you know, the, the production team and the people working on it. And I love that about it. I, I love that yeah. it's got that, um, that it, it matches the world of Doctor Who. Yeah. Whether that's intentional or not, it just feels like we're watching something that's Doctor Who related, mm. you know, and <laughs> I know that Sarah Jane, you know, she's the main sort of driver and she carries it through, you know, and brings that Doctor Who over to it. But yeah, I just I feel like this. Even though it was a simple story, I like the, you know, the 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 pacing of these Sarah Jane stories, and you know the way they're edited. They feel very Who esque, very Russell. It feels very early RTD, which it is, of course. But it just feels mm. like, you know, Eccleston could walk through the door at any second, and it wouldn't yeah, look yeah. out of place. It looks like, you know, a similar thing. So I like that about this um this series. I I haven't seen too much of the other Sarah Jane series. I've seen the odd episode littered through them, so I can't remember if that carries through. I think mm. it does. I think it does still have that vibe. But, yeah, I like how these, especially these Series 1 stories, look and feel. Um, certainly no complaints in terms of how they're edited. The pacing's fairly decent. Mm. It intermingles. One thing, thing that's good with most of Doctor Who, actually, but especially the RCD era, is this wonderful way of sort of having this really cool adventure that you're on with these characters. And, you know, some sometimes it's sort of action-paced and it's, there's things going on, there's people running, there's action scenes. But, you know, this wonderful way of just stopping the stories dead just for a scene. And in this one, it's the scene where Luke and Clyde, you know, when Luke runs out because he feels like he's... Uh, Messed up. He's, like, bullied this kid and now he's gone missing. Mm. He feels like it's his fault and then Clyde runs after him. There's a lovely scene when they're at the park afterwards. Yeah. And they're having a chat, you know, so it just, it slows everything down, but it doesn't bring it to a stop and you feel, right, I've lost, you know, the momentum of the story. Because once that scene's done, we then pick everything back up and it's back on track. And mm. and I love that about Who. I, uh, and I'm, I'm sure that's a Russell T. Davis influence because he's so good at those character scenes where... Because remember, we're still building Luke's character at this point. He's yeah, still, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. We're still, you know, he's still finding his feet in terms of what's socially acceptable. Mm. You know, he's trying to build a human um, personality for himself. 
so that he can fit in and mix in with everybody else of his age and so on. So he's still sort of clumsy with it, isn't he? He's making jokes that aren't quite suited at the time and yeah. he's doing things. So, and then Clyde's obviously, as we know, he's very street cred and, you know, he knows what's going on. So it's really nice to have those scenes where those character integrations are happening alongside like the big space adventure stuff that's going on. So mm-hmm. in terms of story and pacing, editing and stuff, I, again, I've got no complaints. Did you find any problems with that or did you just feel like, oh, this is the cool sort of Sarah Jane? No, no. I mean, that's why I'm enjoying this, watching this series so much is because um, I, like you, I haven't seen any of this. I think I've only seen a handful of Sarah Jane. So it's all fresh to me. And it's really untaxing on the brain. And I mean that in a good way. It just reminds me of the stuff I used to watch as a kid that had a good mix of, you know, slightly darker tones, but not scare, too scary for the kids, a bit of fun, mm-hmm. production value is good. It just reminds me of the quality shows that we had as kids. You know, I mean, I don't know what the shows are like now for children, but, you know, I know we had some classic TV when we were growing up. And this, to me, reminds me of that. You can put it on. Um, it's, it's so different to sort of Torchwood, for example, in the terms that it does totally fit in with Doctor Who, but with Torchwood, you kind of had to watch it a bit more and follow the story. This is just fun. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I can literally, I can put it on and there might be the odd little scene that, you know, I think, oh, that's really touching. Like you said, that scene between Luke and um, Clyde on the swing. It's a really nice little scene between the two of those guys. And then into the action and then you've got Mr. Kuldak with his <laughs> jacket and stuff. And it's just really good fun. You know, like you said, I'd, the story may not be, you know, that heavy, but it, it it's perfect for just a... 50 minutes of, of television. I, I just really enjoyed it. So now the pacing and everything was fine for me. I, I was really happy just sat there watching it. Mm. Just like, you know, nothing too strenuous. It's just fun. Um, and I agree with you. I can imagine. Yeah, I could totally imagine Eccleston walking in on any of these stories we've watched so far. It really does fit into the who yeah. universe perfectly. I noticed in Gorgon, I have the Gorgon. There were a couple of little, name drops i think the santaran's got mm-hmm. a mention i was like okay right so again some nice little nods i don't remember if there was any in this i certainly didn't make a note of it if there was but yeah it fits perfectly alongside who it's the it's the brilliant little younger sort of doctor who spin-off if you like um and then you got tortured the other side of it i just love the three together sarah jane doctor who Torchwood. it's just a brilliant yeah. you know uh sort of three different moods there it's brilliant i know that sarah jane mentions unit in this oh yes yes that's right i think that's about it in terms of sort of name drops and so on do you know the bit i really loved as well which again reminds me of sort of shows i loved as kids was sarah jane builds this funny (laughs) machine that they push up the hill to um (laughs) expose the whatever it is in the sky and and uh it's just a really beautiful design (laughs) and i thought i love it when like the doctor or sarah jane or somebody makes a gadget or a device and Mm -hmm. you know and it just the whole look of it and what it did was again it's just like very simple but you know, I, lo- I love stuff like that. It's just fun. It was it was really cool, actually. I'm glad you mentioned yeah. that because that yeah, I love that gadget. That felt like a kind of Pertwee yes moment, didn't it? Yeah, it re- that's what I mean. I couldn't put my finger on it, but it just reminded me. I thought, oh, that's so classic and so simple and and brilliant. Yeah, yeah. it does. It really felt like you know when Pertwee just tinkers with things and yeah, is making stuff. It felt like you know, it almost. I'm 
I'm pretty sure this is not intentional, but it almost feels like, you know, this is that sort of stuff has maybe rubbed off on Sarah Jane. So, mm, you know, she's yeah. up for inventing things and tinkering with stuff. And it's really cool. It's really quirky. It's not like, because a lot of times, you know, you just see like a silver box with a button on it or a few levers and that's your lot. Whereas this was like this big, almost like a steampunk yes, sort of gothic design it. sort of thing with these big, it was, it was very, um, you know, some might say out of place, but I would say it's, yeah, it's just, it was awesome. It was, um, a real nice little nod to sort of the classic years when the doctor did tinker and, mm. you know, make stuff and reversing polarity, you know, all that stuff. It felt yeah. very much like that. So yeah, that was awesome. That was, I, I you, you're absolutely right. I love the idea that a bit of that's rubbed off on Sarah Jane, that she's up in that attic building all these things. I think that's such a great little, little vision. Um, actually just before we move off the story, mate, you just made, you just made me think actually that, um, although it is a, simple story one thing i do like about it is it does kind of make a, a comment on you know the dangers and, and uh, of playing these sort of war games because that's something that's quite relevant today actually right um and it but it doesn't do it in a sort of obvious shoving it down your throat type way it just sort of it uses luke this character who's very um uh what's the word he's very innocent isn't he Does naive it, he, in the ways naive, of the world yeah, yeah. Because he's asking Clyde, isn't he? So you play games where you kill each other. Why would you? Mm-hmm. Why would you want to play games where you're killing someone? And I thought that I think that's a really important subject. And as I said, they don't hammer it home, but it's just there. You know, it's it's pr- kind of what the story is about a little bit, isn't it? It's just sort of, you know, why do we use children to sort of? Why do we bring children up to sort of be warriors? And and you know, there is a there is a deeper meaning there if you want there it. And I, yeah. and I and I like that because I actually think that's a a really important thing. Um, there's, I don't want to sort of go on a tangent, but there was something on the news about it yesterday about this game that all the kids are playing when they have to kill people to collect points. And I, I do find it bizarre as somebody who doesn't like violence at all. I do find it bizarre that we have kids and games where we kill people and it's entertainment because in this day and age, I don't know. I just, I do think it's really odd. So Although it is a simple story, I love the fact that they use Luke's sort of um, naivety to to bring that home to say, you know, well, hang on, we should question why we're playing games where we're going around shooting each other and stuff. So, yeah, it's a simple story, but I like the fact it has got a slightly good sort of undertone to it that has a proper meaning, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I read you. And that's one of the cool things about um, shows like this is mm. it, it can kind of it can kind of get the message across without being preachy. Yeah, exactly. You know, or trying to be too, because kids don't react, not all kids anyway, but, you know, kids don't really react well to being, you know, you must do this or you must, you know, you know, kids like to, you know, as they should, you know, figure stuff out by themselves. And, Mm. you know, so when, and I can just imagine, you know, when this first went out, you know, younger kids who are watching this, hopefully, taking a little bit of a little slice of that on board because mm. kids are really smart you know and i think that's one of the that's one of the things about writing tv shows which is so difficult especially for children because you know sometimes people can sort of brush under the carpet all these little nuances that go into writing a script for a tv show it's so difficult and that's one of the things that really winds me up about fandom sometimes is where mm. you know a story goes out or a series is out and the the writers just get absolutely you know 
they get lash you know from the fans they get beat up so badly mm. but i tell you what say you know a majority of vocal fans you know who seem to step up you know behind their computers i might add you mm. know and really sort of rage at you know certain writers for for tv I can guarantee, 99% sure, that if you pluck them out from behind their computer and put them in a BBC office and say, right, you write it, you mm-hmm. know, you sit down and you write a better story, it'd be a disaster. Yeah, of uh, course. Yeah. Uh, and that's yeah. one of the things that's so important, especially for kids. And, and, and I know Doctor Who's similar as well. Doctor Who is mm-hmm. aimed at kids as well, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But having, to, having a responsibility as a writer to say, right, you know, we want to get this message across, but we don't want to put it in their faces but you know we want to we've got something we want to say basically mm. and i'm not saying that that's the that's the reason why they wrote the story they're not trying to put some political message out there and wrap it in sarah jane it's just about having that responsibility like right we are writing a show for kids so let's try and let's try and sort of put that message in there that they can understand and gets processed in their mind but it doesn't feel like they're being told what to do Mm. And I feel that's so important. And I always miss that every single time when I'm just watching something, I always miss that point of view. Um, mm. cause we used to have it years ago. So I'm, I, I was born in 1980 and as I grew up by the end of the eighties, early nineties, I'd gone through so many cartoons and so like Saturday morning cartoons and all the rest of it. Mm. And anyone who's our age group who grew up through that will remember that so many cartoons used to reinforce the message at the end. So things like He-Man and Marshall Brave Star and so many other cartoons, they'd have this like little 30-second bit at the end where they'll say, you know, in this episode, we had Orko the wizard who didn't really <laughs> find himself, uh, you know, until at the end. So it's very important to treat your friends the correct way because you don't <laughs> want to bully. Do you know what I mean? So we yeah. had that the message through the story and then they reinforced it at the end. But as sort of kids have got older and in a different generation, they don't really want to be told that directly, you know, yeah. smart enough to take it on. So I know I'm going on a bit here, but I think it's so important for kids shows. And that's, what's great about Dr. Who and Sarah Jane is that you can, you can criticize the scripts and the stories as much as you want, but it must be so difficult to write all of these things into a, what, what is it, a 25-minute episode? Mm. That's the most difficult thing for me, is if you're writing a feature film, you've got quite a bit of time to get the story across. But when you've only got 25 minutes, I mean, admittedly, this is a two-parter, so you've got, what, just under an hour? Yeah. But you've got all of these things. So you've got the story, the characters, you've got, like, character arcs that are spanning across the series, not just the episode. You've got the alien threat, you've got... Sarah Jane's relationship with the other characters. You've got the relationship in between the characters. But then inside all of that, like we said, we've got this message about video, not video games, but, you know, as you said, you know, kids and war games and stuff like that. Mm. That must be incredibly difficult to do that in a way that's still entertaining, but delivers the message in a way that kids will take it on. Yeah, without being sort of too preachy, because I think yeah. if some they could have pushed it slightly more, I think it is it's definitely in there. Um, as I said, it's mainly when sort of Luke's questioning it, so they they could have pushed it further if they wanted to. But I just I like the fact it's there in the first place. You know, yeah. it's just it just might just make sort of people think, yeah, you know, why am I playing games where I kill people? It was a bit strange when you think about it. Mm. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's not it's not too preachy. Yeah, you know, it's just there 
I think it's enough to sort of put it in the mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it waffled a bit there, but th- yeah. So I, <laughs> I like this the um the fact that that's in there, and then mm. in the rest of it, sort of story wise, it has that sort of classic sci fi conclusion, really, because yeah. we we know because um that little scene where Kudlak has a conversation with the mistress, and you know he's like, oh, I'm tired. You know, this war's been going on. I just want peace. And she's like, no, war, war, you know, more <laughs> war. And he's like, no, I'm tired. So you kind of get a little inkling that something's not quite right. You know, could lax, you know. He's either ready to just go absolutely beep crazy and, you know, <laughs> go nuts. Or he's just ready to throw the towel in and like, I've had enough. But, and then the conclusion towards the end is, you know, it all comes out that the mistress is actually like an AI sort of computer uh, uh, thing that's fooled him into thinking that you know the war's still going on but you know 10 years before that you know it was all over and he could have returned home and it was actually luke that found it in the oh that's right yeah because it's weird isn't it because he's naive but he's also really clever yes <laughs> it's yeah. luke i thought that was a nice twist didn't you because i wasn't i didn't see that coming that it was just a computer but but they they assumed the war would never end so it ne- it was never programmed to have that function of it was like a sort of game that didn't have the end bit programmed in so the fact the war was over it couldn't compute it because it'd never been programmed to have a message saying oh the (laughs) war's over you can go home now it just kept saying no the war is going on you must keep going i thought that was quite a nice little twist actually because kudlak's really he can't believe it can he he's like no the war's (laughs) been over for 10 years he's he's like no it can't be true um so i I thought that was a nice little twist at the end i did as well just a simulation i didn't see that coming at all and a great little character um, uh, to have in the show as well, because even at that point where, you know, you can tell that he's knackered from having to mm-hmm. do this constantly and he doesn't really agree with it. You know, he's still loyal to the cause. Yeah. Even yeah. after yeah. that scene, he still goes and tracks because they escape, don't they, from their, their little cages, if you like, when they're up on this, on the spaceship and they mm-hmm. sort of, you know, we have their typical corridor, you know, running away down corridors and steel you know, steps and everything. Yeah. Um, even after all that, he still sort of, you know, apprehends them and he's still very much like, yep, you know, you're going to be warriors, all the rest of it. It's not until the very end where Sarah Jane and Luke say to him, look, it's here in the computer. You know, the war's done. You know, take a, take a chill pill. It's all good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a really cool character to have. And let's talk about characters actually. So um, the, the Kudlak character was played by two different people. So, Oh, was it? Yeah, so Paul Casey, you'll know that name a lot from... I was going to say, I know that name, yeah, yeah. especially Sarah Jane, but a lot of Doctor Who, he's a very popular guy that goes in the alien costumes a lot of the time and so on. So he played Kudlak and the mistress, you know, save a bit of money. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Kudlak was voiced by somebody else, um, somebody called Silas Carson, apparently. Oh, right, okay. Um, you will recognise the name. He's been in... Crikey, mate! Let me just tell you a few of the things that he's been in. Blimey! Have you? Are you reading that right now? So I, I've just clicked on the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, let's go back to Star Wars Episode One, Phantom Menace. <laughs> he was also in Star Wars Episode Two. He was in um, The Walking Dead. He was in the film The Predator. Uh, he was in. Um, he's been in Spooks. He's played the voice of loads of people in Doctor Who. He's the voice of the Ood. He's, um, yeah, just in loads of stuff. He's in Hustle, The Bill, The IT Crowd, um, 
what else has he been in? Uh, Holby City, um, the casual vacancy. He's been in EastEnders for a little bit. He's been in <laughs> so many things, and I recognised his picture immediately when I saw him. I guess I, I do as well. I don't, don't, don't recognise the name. I've never heard of him, but I, yeah, he does look familiar. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so he was the voice of um, of Kudlak, okay. Silas Carson, and I'm sure he's been at Collectomania as well. Pretty possibly, sure yeah, 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 possibly, yeah. Um, so yeah, so Kudlak then, very cool character. I think you'll agree. I really liked him, mate. I love it when they get this balance of um, having an evil character that's also got another side to him. Uh, I thought, you know, it's, it's done quite a lot, but um, but yeah, I warmed quite a lot to Kudlak. I thought he was he was a pretty cool character. I wouldn't mind seeing him come back. I don't know if he does, but I'd happily see him again. Uh, well, what does happen to him at the end? So he he agrees to go back home and oh, retrieve the kids who have already been sent to try you know to try and bring them back home. I think. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Because he sacrifices himself, doesn't he? He's like he bends down. He's like you know, take my life, sort of. Oh, thing. Oh, that's I've, right. Yeah, you know, oh. a great sort of crime against your planet. So you know, mm-hmm. so a very cool character. I liked. Him. He's got morals, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. He's not yeah. just an evil insect. He's actually got. He's a more rounded character than that. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then we had. Um, but there's a couple of other people we had, Lance. You know, the, one of the kids that went missing, Lance, his mum. There was a quite a nice scene where Sarah Jane goes to see his mum because she's investigating what's going on. It's, it's, you know, it's quite near the beginning. She wasn't too bad, the mum, actually. Because no. sometimes when you get a, a, I think we said this at Tortured, sometimes when you get a small part, because she probably only had about 20 lines, and also she's got to play the crying mum, you might think, oh, you know, sometimes you don't get a particularly good performance when you get those the combination of those two. Yeah. You know, especially crying scenes, they can be very cringy. Um, she was really good, actually. I thought she she was quite believable as a mum who was... You know, she was really upset. She lost her son and please find him. And I just thought she, you know, it's very easy to go over the top in those scenes and be like, please find my son, you know, almost <laughs> EastEnders style where they always just act at, you know, yeah. act their way out of a paper bag. But uh, <laughs> she was, uh, she was quite good. Um, well, I don't know who, I can't remember the character's name, so I don't know what her name is, but yeah, considering she's only in that small scene, I thought she was, was very good. Yeah. A little bit of trivia. So when Sarah Jane goes to see Lance's mum, in Lance's room, there's a bunch of posters up on his wall, and they are posters of, you know, the episode Blink? Mm-hmm. You know, all of the DVDs that they mentioned in the DVD shop? You know, um, what's his face? The guy um, who runs the DVD shop. Yeah, yeah, you know, I know. Yeah, yeah. he's um, a lot of the DVDs. Um, uh Lance has got posters of those films up on his wall. Oh, I saw the posters. I didn't, yeah. I couldn't connect what they were. I kept thinking, well, they're really obvious. They must be something. Yeah. Cause they're really in your face. Well, I didn't realize that's what they were. Yeah. So okay. the, the DVDs that are mentioned in blink for, by the guy, I can't remember that guy's name who runs the, he ends up with, you know, the, Sally Sparrow Sally at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember his name, but yeah. Um, and then Lance himself then bit of a, an East end boy, bit of a London lad. It seems like, he was very much a, all right, yeah, cool. Yeah, all right, we're back home. Yeah, laters. Yeah, he was a bit, yeah, he was all right, wasn't he? But he's, he's not going to win any acting awards. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, he was okay. He wasn't in it that much anyway. <laughs> he was all right. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and then Luke gets a kiss off a, a young lady at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was her name? Jen, I think. Yeah. Jen. Um, again, not too bad. 
I'd put so, her on par with um, the other lads as well. Lads, they're both yeah. a bit like bit actory. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're okay. Not bad, but not again. Yeah, need a few more David Collins acting <laughs> lessons before they can <laughs> come back. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Uh, and let's talk about um, Mr. Grantham then. Mr. Grantham, yo, know, he's a bit of a lad as well, isn't yeah, he? Let Mr. me just Grantham. tell you something, mate. Right. <laughs> so uh, interesting name. The the actor's name Chuk. Uh, Sibtane. Uh, you will recognise Chup uh, Sibtane if you uh, are familiar with The Waters of Mars. Is he in that? He plays one of the guys on the um, in the research centre. He's one of the guys who gets turned by the water. I didn't recognise him. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He. Um, yeah. He's in that. But in this story, he plays very much a um, a very again another sort of London-based bit of a. Uh, an underhanded schemer, it seems. Mm. Um, so he's in cahoots with Kudlak. Um, he's kind of been employed, I suppose, because um, he does say to Sarah Jane at some point that he's in it for the money. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's a bit of a... He's almost likeable. Almost. Almost likeable in a way. Obviously, you know, we can't disguise the fact that his main purpose in the story is to kidnap children. So you can't get away from that fact that that's obviously extremely bad, but he's almost likable in a way that you feel like, is he going to help Sarah Jane at some point? Cause he does it, but under duress, isn't he? He's like, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll send you up to the ship and stuff. You won't come back of course, you know, but mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you almost think, you know, is he going to go a step further and help out? Is he going to have some redemption? But you know, sadly he just does a runner. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, he's uh, it's, he has a really cool scene with Sarah Jane actually. When Sarah Jane and Maria are in his office snooping around, oh yeah, you know he, he catches comes, yeah he catches them and he holds them up at gunpoint and uh, it's really cool the the sort of to in and throw in between him and Sarah Jane because she immediately clocks what's going on. She's like, I've had guns pointed at me before, yeah, and she's like, even alien guns, you know, and you know he thinks in you know that he's just some snooping reporter. Mm-hmm. Uh, like an April O'Neil sort of thing, but then you know she's like, "Yeah, I've got your number, mate. I know what's going on." And he's like, "Oh crap!" Um, so yeah, some really cool sort of toing and throwing between those two. And she mm. she zaps him with the old sonic lipstick. The sonic lipstick, yeah, yeah, a bit of lippy. <laughs> um, but overall, I thought, yeah, obviously a, a bad character, not a nice character to you know to have in a story. But in terms of his performance, I thought he was not too bad. He was a little bit. Uh, EastEnders, should I say? Yeah, he was in EastEnders, and I mean that in not a good way because I I don't (laughs) really like EastEnders. But he was a little bit (laughs) EastEnders, but not too bad. Almost likable, borderline. Mm. He was, yeah. I was going to say he's one of those sort of villains that's also a bit comical at times. So I I thought his performance varied actually because sometimes I thought he was really good. Like like you said, I like the scene with Sarah Jane and stuff. And um, he was quite funny in parts. And oh. in other bits, he went a little bit too pantomime villain for my liking. But, a little bit. Um, I thought overall, though, he, he was quite good. Uh, yeah, I, I did like him. Um, I don't know. I just kind of thought he he's given the sort of performance that he was almost really good. But it just didn't, I don't know, sort of other scenes, he wasn't so good. It was, uh, yeah, I felt he could have been slightly better. But he wasn't bad. Uh, I did think he was quite fun in the scenes he's in. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And he references Star Wars. There was a couple of Star Wars references in this as well. Uh, 
Oh, right. I don't know if you picked up on them. So there's a bit where where he's been, you know, he breaks into Sarah Jane's home and then they sort of, oh, yeah. you know, they tie his wrist and they take him back to the, the laser quest place. And he's being quite sarcastic. He's like, oh, so you want me to, to send you off to a galaxy far, far away? Something like, yeah, a galaxy far, far away, which is a bit of a Star Wars reference. And then, yeah. But earlier on in the episode, I think it's Luke and Clyde between them. They say something to do with Star Wars as well. And for the life of me, which would be no surprise, I can't remember <laughs> what it was. But they definitely reference some other Star Wars. There's a couple of times they do it. Which is what I found interesting. Mm. I mean, in scenes like that, he was really good. That's what I mean when, when I say he's varied. Like th- those scenes, I thought he was really fun and, and a good sort of villain. Because, like you said, he was quite a rounded character as well. It wasn't just playing damn right evil. He also had this sort of comedy side. Uh, yeah. bit, a bit yeah. of a sort of cheeky villain, wasn't he? A bit of a cheeky chappy. So, yeah, he was quite fun, really. Mm. He was. Yeah. Um, that's annoying me now, that other Star Wars reference. I didn't pick up on it. I, I think it's admit. Clyde. I think because Clyde makes a reference, an obvious one, to Star Trek. Ah, right. Because he mentions Captain Kirk. Mm-hmm. I know that. But he also makes a reference to Star Wars, and it's bloody annoying me that I can't remember what it is. <laughs> You'll have to watch it again. Yeah, anyways. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was quite cool. And then what about the main cast? So um, let's talk about Luke and Clyde, because they're sort of together in it throughout pretty much the whole story. They are, really. yes, yes. Um, so like I said earlier, some more character progression. We've got Luke sort of figuring out, because at the beginning he's with Maria and he's he's testing out one of his jokes and mm-hmm. doesn't really go too well. But after that, Clyde sort of chases after him and then the two of them go off to Laser Quest and they get captured and so on. And that and they escape almost together when they're on the alien spacecraft. So um, I think those two work pretty well together. I like the contrast between the naive Luke and, you know, he's still got, you know, a million questions about, people in general and then you've got Clyde who sort of almost loses patience all the time you know he's you know he tries to tell him what the correct bit of slang might be for something and he still doesn't get it and he's like rolling his eyes and so I I quite like those two characters together I think I I do as well yeah I was gonna say the contrast is brilliant and then again the sort of character progression from both of them is really good um they're they're really fun together it's great end scene as well isn't it when he's like um Luke says to Clyde, um, can you teach me about girls? And he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah, there's some good scenes between those two. I think that they work really well. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, what else? Yeah, Maria. So well, they seem to pair off because Luke and Clyde are together. And then Sarah Jane and Maria, mm. they seem to be together. And interestingly enough, we don't see any of Maria's dad in this one. No. Don't see her mum. It's just those guys doing the thing. What do you reckon to Maria in this one? she's a, I don't know actually she's not as good as um because do you remember in the first not the pilot but when she first comes into it and I was saying actually for a young actor she's pretty believable you know she's quite good she seems to be getting a little bit um she's still good but she's going a little bit uh kid acty if that makes sense do you know what I mean like the, she was very believable in the first few episodes like dealing with all the stuff with her mum, you know mum and dad and I remember saying she's a good little actor um, Yasmin Page, isn't it? Is he? But I don't know. In this one, I don't know if it's just because the way she's written. She's really good when she's with Sarah Jane. Right. Like they work really well together. A bit mm-hmm. like Luke and Clyde. There's some really lovely scenes between those two. But um, I don't know. She's sort of. She's not. <laughs> she's not bad, but she's sort of going a little bit child actory in some scenes. Um, I've noticed. 
I can't really explain it. I don't know if you know what I mean. Just the way she's delivering her performance is not as believable I read you. as I found yeah. it in the first couple of episodes. It's as if she's kind of um, going with the flow a little bit. I don't know if you know what I mean, but but yeah, she's still good. Just not. I don't know. I'm not warming to her in the same way that I'm liking sort of Clyde and Luke's, you know, progression with Maria. She's getting a little bit like you know, like in the last episode where she's like crying and throwing a tantrum and then storming out the room and it's i don't know it's just not her character progression isn't as good as the others i don't think yet I but, read you. Yeah. but i liked the other scenes with um sarah jane and and her they, they worked very well together because sarah jane's got that very motherly instinct doesn't she the way she talks to her and looks after her and stuff like that and yeah so they're, they're good together but i don't know when she's left to deal with stuff on her own um she's not She's not shining as brightly as the others. That's, that's the best way I can put it. Yeah, I read you. I preferred mm. Luke and Clyde in this one. Yeah. Um, because although Maria was quite cool, there's, there's some really nice scenes, like when her and Sarah Jane go up on top of the hill with that that's device. That's brilliant. You know, that's yeah. really nice Lovely. scene. And, yeah. Um, but Maria does get a little bit... Um, I don't know what the best word to use, really. There's a scene where she's like really miffed that Luke and Clyde have been kidnapped. And Sarah Jane's like, oh, don't worry. And, you know, she's like really answering back and shouty. And it's like, mm. you know, like slow down just a little bit here. You know, Sarah Jane's here to help. Yeah. You know, she's not your enemy sort of thing. Just calm down. So I, I found a couple of times she was a little bit like, you know, a, a, a younger, more immature version of herself that we'd seen in the previous episodes thus far. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I mean. Yeah. That's a good way of summing up what I was trying to say. Yeah. And then Sarah Jane. Oh, Sarah Jane. She's, she's so comfortable in this role, isn't she? She's, Mm -hmm. she's lovely. And I like the fact she's, um, she's much, she seems to be becoming more confident in her, (laughs) in, in sort of getting stuck into the action. If you like every week, I just, Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's, she's absolutely rocking and rolling is the best way I can put it. Yeah. Um, as, as Sarah Jane. Yeah. I like that she's really hands-on with everything as well. So when they're up in the attic and um, Maria's like, oh, we should do, you know, she's got like these, you know, welding materials and equipment and everything. And Mm. she's like, you know, Maria, don't touch that unless you've got gloves on and blah, blah, blah. Maria's like, okay, but, you know, shouldn't we just be doing this? And she turns around and Sarah Jane's got this massive welding mask on and a massive (laughs) blowtorch and she's just into it. She's just doing everything. And like you said, the action, she's a bit more sort of up for it as well. Yeah. yeah yeah that's what i mean about some great scenes in this like even with the sort of storyline being a bit thin you know you get scenes like that um where she's yeah she's she's just brilliant is uh, sarah jane yeah. um i i love i love all the gadget making and stuff i think she really suits that sort of i'd love to go in that attic i would just love to go and have a look in the attic um first thing i'd do is try and find k9 where is he he's still, he's around, still in that he? he's still yeah. in that cabinet yeah oh when's he coming out i oh, know little sod because we, we get this massive fanfare every time <laughs> Mr. Smith comes out. We have this like 30 seconds. They do it every week, don't they? Yeah. Did, 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 did. It's like this big fanfare every time he opens. I'm thinking, <laughs> he's not that impressive. <laughs> it's I, I, like, <laughs> I know. It's like this. Um, but it's like, Mr. Smith, I need you. And then it's, yeah, all these different camera angles. Yeah. It's like, I think it's just meant to hammer home. Like she's got this amazing super computer in her house, you know, and you haven't got one kids you haven't got one we've got one <laughs> and uh yeah alexander armstrong doing a, a decent job of the um the voice as well mm. oh yeah yeah he's cool yeah um so before we move on to scores just very quickly 
a couple more bits of trivia that I found really cool. Um, so in the attic, um, Sarah Jane's got um, a, a poster or an art print up on the wall of the Cybermen from the um, what's the uh, the the David Tennant two part of the um, Age of Steel? Is it Age of Steel? Yeah, and something else. So you know those design of Cybermen. Uh, they're up on a poster, tucked away, if you look for it. I, I think I noticed the spaceship from City of Death. I'm not sure if it was. It looked like it to me. I meant to freeze frame it, and I didn't. But, yeah, it looked like that. But you know the one that blows up Scaroff's ship? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure I spotted that on the wall. Maybe. Yeah. Or probably, yeah. But I didn't spot the Cybermen. <laughs> and just very quickly, you were, you said um, you'd like to see um, uh, the, uh, the, what they called? The Avodny race, the Kudlak dude, come yeah. back. Make a, they make a very, very brief appearance in the Pandorica Opens. Do they? Yeah. Right. Okay. That's interesting. I should when we haven't reviewed that. So remind me to look out for. Yeah. <laughs> remind me, like like me and you are going to remember that. But yeah. <laughs> yes. but yeah, we'll have to try and remember because that would be cool to spot him. I bet he's like yeah. I bet it's very hard to spot. Yeah, I can't I wait to do that story. You know. Because yeah, it's the yeah. big drunken-esque Matt Smith speech, it is, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, get round to it. We will. Uh, so anything else you want to mention, mate, before we score this one up? Uh, no, just that um, it, it does mention on Wiki about the, the number of um, Sarah Jane's address, which I did spot, but couldn't work out why I was like, I, I saw the, the number on the door and I remember sort of thinking that something don't seem right there. Because um, I think I thought the number on the door was 25. <laughs> Because all, all the way through in the series, they have this thing, don't they? Of 13 Bannerman Road. I think mm-hmm. it goes on from series two. So they say here, the, the number on her door in this one's apparently 21. And it's got 21 on her cards on that business. she had yeah. To, yeah. yeah. But then, it, yeah, it must change to 13 somewhere along the way. I think series um, two onwards, it's 13, pretty sure. See, it always surprises me when they do stuff like that. Because if, <laughs> if it's already been seen on screen, I'd kind of think to myself, oh bit late now why change it from 30 from 21 to 30 it's a bit like friends if you ever watch the early episodes of friends their apartment is like five and six i think and then suddenly in series two or three it changes to like 30 and 29 and you're like hang on a minute <laughs> like it's the same apartment but you've changed the number it's weird i don't like it when they do stuff like that yeah the it just pre- seems odd the previous continuity person was fired gone and they didn't do a handover properly with <laughs> yeah. the new person 13 so Bannerman Road. With, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, okay, scores. I think it's me to go first. Okay. Uh, I am going to give this a a 6.5. I thought you would. Yes. Um, I'm slightly uh, I'm slightly up. I'm giving it a 7. A 7. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I find it very enjoyable. Yeah. Cool. I think, uh, let's have a look. We are, yeah, we're pretty solid at the minute. So 7, 7, 7. You gave 8.5 to either Gorgon. I'd agree with that. I think that's the strongest so far. I think so. Yeah. And then this is a seven as well. Yeah. So pretty pretty solid so far, this series. Pretty much, yeah. Now, what did our beautiful listeners think? Over on Twitter, we did our poll, and you guys said 89% in the likey camp, mm-hmm. and only 11% said stinky. That's good. Which is cool. We had a couple of comments on Twitter. Uh, Cindy Luhuvian says she loves it. It takes on big topics like war and kidnapping, plus everyday squabbles and the meaning of friendship, all in a way that everyone can get. It doesn't condescend or sugarcoat. Neither um, is it too dark or scary. 
It's just great mm. fun. Cute Star Trek references too. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Cool. Crazy. Uh, TARDISNet. Uh, TARDISNet66 says, Rewatching this story uh, sent memories flooding back. Uh, shows Luke at his best uh, as is given uh, some great character development and tells a, re- a very relevant story about humanity's obsession with war and violence in games. Mm. Uh, and as a very good villain and a brilliant twist. It's a good uh, twist. Thank you, guys. Over on Facebook, uh, Lewis Palmer says, Welcome to the unique unique gaming experience that is Combat 3000. Uh, those drones. <laughs> uh, that's the best line in all of the Who universe. I really like this one. It's a fun and creative adventure. Uh, that's an important step for Luke's character. Uh, it's not one of the best, but it's a good one. Seven out of ten. Miles McKenzie, I really like this one. Uh, it takes a normal thing and turns it into a threat. Luke's character development is great in this with him trying to fit in. The overall development of the team is great too. I really enjoyed Sarah and Maria's character interaction. Luke and Clyde are also great uh, with their character and friendship development. I actually um, quite like the twist at the end and the computer being a real villain, if a little rushed. Uh, Overall, a strong 8 out of 10. Mm, Okay, good stuff. Joseph Howarth, I'll be honest, I didn't see the first part of this episode, so when I caught the repeats... Uh, of the second on CBBC, I didn't get uh, what was going on. Now that I've seen both parts, I can appreciate that the story took the idea of laser tag being a recruitment center for an alien race that's at war, and it's an ingenious idea. Mm. Uh, good character development for Luke, and I love how he keeps on butchering slang words, and Clyde has to keep correcting him. Um, it goes on to say, uh, 8 out of 10. Jason Thayer lastly says, uh, this was the start of making Luke one of my favorite characters. Mm. Uh, we had a couple of audio clips in. Uh, let's go to Sammy Satin. Hey, Gary and Adam, Sammy Satin here. So, the Warriors of Codlock. Kids getting kidnapped by aliens via a laser war game. It's an interesting concept, and this is a great execution of it. Something about this story doesn't quite gel with me, though, so... I have to give it six Codlocks out of ten. However, I do really like the bits where Sarah Jane is interacting with Maria and I felt very sorry for poor Lance's mother, but I'm glad she got him back in the end. That was great. See ya. (laughs) Cheers, Sammy. Nice one, Sammy. It was great that she got him back. Because yes. I must admit, when I was watching this, I thought, are they going to do the happy em- happy ending for that character? Mm. Or are they going to be ruthless <laughs> and have his mum you know, lost her son? But it's a kid's show after all. It's so. a kid's show. Uh, and last audio clip, this is Jake Burst- yeah, blah, blah. Jake Burtwistle. Hello yet again. It is I, Sir Jake of the Burtwistle, back with another audio review. Warriors of Kudlak. It's okay. I remember liking this episode a lot more as a kid. I mean, what kid wouldn't? It's got bug-eyed monsters and laser tag. Of course I was going to like it. But it just doesn't make sense on a rewatch. So Kudlak and his mistress, or mistress, think it's a good idea to, to get soldiers by abducting children who are good at laser tag. Doesn't make sense. One bit. But... For the most part, it's it's good. Besides that, and some of the acting is very questionable. Uh, I am going to give it six mistresses out of ten. Mistresses. Bye. 
<laughs> out for a windy walk there by the sound of it. Yeah, it's very, <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, guys, for your audio clips and so on. Did you have anything over on the Geek's Handbag? Oh, yes, I did. Yes, I had uh, a comment from our good friend, Charlie Turner, who says, uh, what does he say? <laughs> Sorry, it's getting it to load. I had it ready. I was professional, distracted. Professional, as always. Yeah, professional. Yeah. Charlie Turner says, uh, one of my favourites, I must say, only nitpick I have with it is that Kudlak and his mistress look too much like generic aliens to him. If I was to design them, I'd be more creative personally. Uh, so he's going to give it a possible 8.5 or 9 out of 10. He can't decide. <laughs> so somewhere between 8.5 and 9. Um, I, I quite like the design, but I know what he means. They look like big ants um, creatures, don't they? Yeah, but, yeah. but um, yeah, I know what he means about design, but it does look good up close. I mean, it did a great job making it. I thought so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. very good. <laughs> yeah. So that was Warriors of Kudlak. Thank you so much for all of your views and opinions and listening to us review that one. Next week, mm. we're back to classic Doctor Who. What have we got next week? <gasps> Seventh Doctor next week, oh, which, is, which, is, which is great, which is great. But uh, uh, it means we've only got two. I think there's only two that we haven't reviewed, so that won't leave many, or three maybe. But anyway, next week, Seventh Doctor story, Dragonfire. Yeah, we've only got two left. Oh, no. Yeah, so we've got Dragonfire and the Curse of Fenric. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so Dragonfire next week, where we say goodbye to Mel. Yeah. Yeah, and Ace gets officially invited to join the TARDIS crew. Yeah. Um, And I think this is the last one, isn't it? This is the final episode of series 20... Four? 24. 24. Must be, yeah. 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 So Dragonfire next week. Wow. Yeah, get that watched. We'll ask for your thoughts on that one. And I know a certain one of our, a certain listener has been bugging us <laughs> for eons yes. to review this one. That would be Adam the Ultimate Whovian. Yeah. So that will yeah. please him at He'll least. he be pleased. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think we'll do there, buddy, for 193. Okay. Thank you, thank you so much, guys, for sticking with us and listening to episode 193. It's been awesome having some cool merch and news to talk through. Really excited about our new composer. Yeah. I can't wait for the new music to... I just can't wait to hear something new. I love Murray Gold, but we're all desperate to hear something Something new. new. Yeah. And I'm most interested in the theme tune. That's going to be a biggie. I yeah. would not want that one. I don't get me <laughs> wrong, I'd love that one, but at the same time, it's like, Gary, go and go and do us a new theme tune. I'd be like, oh, crikey. It's bound to divide. It, it always, it doesn't matter how good it is, there'll always be someone who doesn't like, but we'll see. Of course, yeah. yeah. And some cool bits of merch, more Torchwood on the way, which is always good news. Uh, thank you so much for sending in your reviews, audio clips, or your Facebook Uh, or Twitter uh, comments or voting on the poll always cool to have you guys involved next week Dragonfire the 7th Doctor so get your DVDs out or whatever it is you've got give it a watch because we're going to need your views and opinions next week until then head over to our website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all of our shows on there and you can also link off to all of the socials 
Uh, we chat loads of who during the week in between our Friday shows. So give us a like and a follow on that. Um, on the podcast stuff, um, you can find us on most of the podcast networks. Just do a search for the Big Blue Box podcast. Um, if you're an iTunes listener, um, if you subscribe, if you could spare a minute for a review and a rating, that would be awesome because that really helps us out loads. So find us on there and give us a subscribe so our shows go out every single Friday morning and you won't miss them. Remember to check out Adam's channel, The Geek's, the Geeks Handbag. Handbag. Adam runs an awesome YouTube channel. Search for The Geek's Handbag, subscribe to his channel, and he's also on all of the socials. So uh, give him a like and a sub on all that. Loads of who chat and just general geeky stuff going on all the time. Mm, all the time. It's Never stops. Cool. Uh, right. Until next week for 194. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember. <laughs> hey. Hey. Lonzy. <laughs> <laughs>